Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on great service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. They've been in business for more than 50 years, and they are the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. Hop online and check out the new full-size SUV 2023 Sequoia. It's got 437 horsepower, 9,000 pound max towing, seating for up to seven or eight people, 14 inch touchscreen. You'll be amazed at that vehicle as well as their entire selection. Peterson Toyota's knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the right vehicle for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa. I'm joined by Mike Rowe, who I believe was a key reason for CSU's win Tuesday night. Uh, along here with Steve Ivey, who wrote a great game recap, which was not about Mike Rowe helping CSU win, but uh, was a great recap nonetheless. If you're not following him at uh, Crackers College Hoops blog, you're missing out. So, uh, But uh, the Rams are missing two key contributors Tuesday night, uh, Adam Thistlewood who we knew about. And uh, then before the game, we heard that John Tanjay was not going to play. Um, speculation was a hip. We have since found out that it's potentially a knee issue. Um, and uh, we'll ask Adam about that and what he knows. But we don't know how long either will be out at this point necessarily. But the shorthanded Rams were off to a pretty ugly start against Nevada. And Nevada was has been a team that's underachieved this year, partly due to a pair of COVID pauses, have just kind of have not been able to hit their stride. But they still possess a lot of talent and a lot of size, which was a little bit of a, a matchup issue for CSU. And, and uh, the Wolfpack came in hungry. They played tenacious defense. They were killing the Rams inside on offense. And CSU was really cold shooting in that first half. But they buttoned down in the second half, started making some shots. They clamped down defensively over the last five, six minutes, and they ended up with a 77 to 66 win after trailing by 10 there in the, or was it maybe eight down eight at the break. So it's a good sign that the Rams can win against a good team when not at full strength and not really playing their best at halftime though. You know, we, we've been joking about this a little bit, but at halftime, my buddy and season ticket mate, John Baller and I, we asked Mike Rowe to come sit with us. Mike was sitting at midcourt using another buddy of ours tickets who couldn't make it, uh, Michael O'Connor. But uh, we, we asked, hey, come on over here. We need to change up the mojo because uh, things are not working here. First half is ugly. And he took one for the team. He left those those beautiful second row seats at, at uh, midcourt and uh, schlepped it with us over behind the visitor bench. So well done, Mike. Uh, appreciate uh, you taking one for the team there. But uh, in all actuality, the, this win you know, had, had a lot to do with the Rams finally making some outside outside shots, uh, more importantly, not really settling for for shooting from the perimeter and really working the ball inside. The bigs gave some valuable minutes. Deshaun struggled with foul trouble, but he did some good things at key times. He scored six points, but James Moore's really filled in when when Deshaun had to, to sit on the bench with his foul trouble, played uh, much more extensively than he has um, due to Thomas's foul trouble. He played 26 minutes, scored eight points in that time, grabbed four boards, and made a couple of really pretty passes to set up some easy scores. Uh, David Roddy led with uh, the team with 18 points, eight rebounds, six assists, two steals, just another monster game for him. Really uh, hit a big three that kind of turned the tides, I think, uh, really there late in the first half that when CSU was down, I think, 11, and, and uh, that, that kept the Rams from being down double digits before the half. Uh, Chandler Jacobs had a, another nice game. He started hitting some shots from outside. I think he ended up with 14 points. 
Isaiah Stevens had a it seemed like a quiet 16 and five rebounds, uh, but just always just a, a steady player, just a great leader. And then uh, Kendall Moore had uh, he kind of opened the scoring with the you know the second half kind of take took the lid off the basket with that that ball that shot it was kind of early in the shot clock it was one of those and eh, don't shoot that one but uh especially because he had thrown up a couple of air balls earlier in the game but he made a shot that kind of hit the rim maybe four or five times then rolled around a little bit and finally dropped and and that uh it was almost like a here we go that that was exactly what we needed he finished with nine points you know and then seven seven other rams had six and more on the night so you know we've been talking a little bit about uh, on the message boards, I've seen people talk about shortening the bench um, and the need to do that. And Doug Gottlieb has said this on air a couple of times. But, you know, I think this this uh, the way that that Nico and staff have handled this roster has given the, the you know, 10 guys the ability to play in key, key minutes because they've played so much in throughout the season. And and I think that's contributing that that certainly helped having that experience to step in when you're missing Thistlewood and Tanjay last night. But also as, as a game gets, you know, you come to the, the grind of a game late in the game when the other team might be sucking wind, that the Rams are a little fresher because they, they, they do rotate a lot more players in and out. So, um, you know, they've had four comeback wins this year that they, where they've suffered 10 plus point deficits. So it's, it's impressive. So that was Tuesday. And uh, next up is the Rams versus UNLV on Friday. To help us recap the win over the Wolfpack Tuesday night, as well as preview the UNLV game this Friday and talk about some other great stuff, we welcome in Adam Nygon. He's the current CSU Radio Network color analyst for the men's basketball games alongside Brian Roth. Adam was a prep star at Broomfield High School here in Colorado, walked on at CSU, became a key contributor his freshman season, playing in every game and starting 19 of those uh, in Tim Miles' first season. Went on to become a regular starter thereafter, and it was a key part of helping turn the program around. Uh, we're lucky to have his insights on the radio broadcast. Adam, really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Uh, follow your work here on Twitter and, and various medias, and uh, you know I love what you guys are doing for not just basketball, for the, the whole CSU alumni to follow in along with you guys. First thing I do when the when the clock hits zero and I'm, I'm at a game, it's hard to listen to play by play when you're at the game. But first thing I do as soon as the clock hits zero, I turn on the post game and listen to you guys commentary. When I'm watching at home, I turn down the, the TV and listen to you guys because I prefer your guys call. But uh, I, I think you do a really good job and giving us all insights, um, you know, as, as us regular fans, you do, you do a really good job, Adam. So appreciate you. But uh, hey, looking at last night, you know, that was a, a bit of a grind. Uh, First half, couldn't really buy a bucket. Nevada was imposing their will inside, and it was looking pretty pretty rough there for a while, especially with a couple key contributors sidelined. What uh, what do you see was the with turnaround in the second half? Yeah, man, that's uh, finally started knocking down some shots or just taking more less and making more. I you know our our three point woes right now have really just COVID pause. You know, late December, early December, kind of a has really affected our rhythm on it from outside. I mean, David Roddy, he might be passing the ball at the most elite level in the league right now, and he's playing next to Isaiah, who everybody knows how good a passer he is. But if if Roddy could have a few guys knock down some of those open looks that he's spitting out to people from some of those posts up, I mean, he'd be probably easily averaging, you know, two, two and a half more assists a game. So the thing to me was, 
they just started dominating in the paint and forgot about the shooting the three. So you look at some of the numbers, 22 points in the paint in the second half, 12 points off of seven turnovers forced in the second half. And, you know, one of the hugest things for me, uh, looking back, we scored 50 points in a half, and we hadn't done that since uh, UNC in November 27th, you know. So before that point, we'd have three or four second halves of 50 points or more. So to me, the big key there is that 50 number. We know how good of a scoring team we are, but finally started to get some guys to knock down some shots and start the show. And obviously 50 points, what a number. Kendall Moore is, is it's, it's weird. You see almost <laughs> two air balls a game from him uh, now these days. I don't know what's happened to his shot, but, but then he'll all of a sudden catch fire. And it really kind of started when he, he took, it was, was almost an ill-advised early shot in the shot clock, launched that three and, you know, bounced around the rim probably five times before it dropped. And after that, it seemed like everything kind of got going. He willed that one in, didn't he? He, uh, <laughs> we, we talked about on the radio, man, he really willed that one in. And we even said too, it's like one of these guys like Deshaun or, or Kendall specifically are, are going to catch fire and it's going to get everybody else going. It's just going to be one of those things. And you kind of saw that with that shot that he, you know, took every every speck of the rim and backboard to make it. But, you know, once that went in, boy, did it set off a, a, a crazy event of, of things for them and all good because, man, he was great. With nine second-half points all in the second half for Kendall Moore. So really kind of creating all of that, you know, next-level stuff for guys to kind of contagiously shoot their threes, and we need definitely a lot more of that. Oh, just from my perspective, that was Kendall. That that shot by Kendall was almost like an FU to the basketball gods. I think he was tired of shooting air balls. <laughs> and I think that was just yeah. his, his way of making a statement. <laughs> you said it, it was one of those ill-advised ones where it's like, just just let it go, you know? Stop thinking about it. Just let it go. And that's probably why he, he made it, you know? It was. But so great to see him finally get it going. Hey, one of the things we've been talking about quite a bit on the Ram Nation message boards, and, and it's kind of been a topic this year as the season's gone by, you hear national pundits like Doug Gottlieb talk about, he, he thinks Nico needs to shorten the bench. But as you look at games like last night, especially when you're missing two key contributors, the depth that's been built over the course of the season with the minutes, key minutes being played by, by 10 different guys, essentially, as well as the fact that you, we close really well, it seems like, in every game. And it, 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 I think having that depth and having fresher legs when other teams are sucking wind, do you see that as, as kind of being a, a real thing with this program right now? Yeah, you know, that's interesting how, it, how, how quickly we can go from one of the deepest teams in the league to, to really one of the shortest benches with, you know, just a, you know two or three guys really coming off the bench last night. And it's, it's 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 one of those things that's good to get all these guys like James Morris comes in, plays 25 minutes, hasn't played more than 16 all year and has a big, huge defensive performance for us and a couple of big buckets down the stretch. And, you know, it's it's when guys like that can get more minutes and, and Isaiah Rivera, who honestly, he's 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 a scorer and he, and he doesn't shoot a lot of baskets as, as good as he is. So he can really score the ball, too. So. When you see him get more minutes, you finally can see what, what some of these guys are able to do. It's just they've been so deep. It's just been so hard for some guys to really catch a rhythm. And, you know, if it's not your night early in the game, you know, you can get buried in that bench pretty easily. 
you guys talked a little bit about this after the game, but uh, the performance of James Moore's and the when he played 26 minutes last night gave a lot of key minutes, especially with Deshaun in, in foul trouble. But um, yeah, he made a couple of big buckets and a couple of huge rebounds, but he also made a couple dishes that, that were really, really pretty that set up some easy buckets. Um, there was one in particular, we, he fed uh, Roddy in the lane and for a dunk. And what, what, what can you say about his performance last night? And it's, it's gotta be strange for him considering he played a lot more last year and has had to kind of accept a different role this year. But when he was called upon last night, he really stepped up. Yeah, he, he was starting, too, most games. And so now it's it's a real different thing where Deshaun showed up in the offseason ready to, to kind of change his mentality, came in, earned his starting spot. And then all of a sudden, you know, if you hear that interview we did with James Moore, it's just, he's just ready for his moment. You know, he didn't really complain or do anything but kind of work his tail off and wait for, you know, his number to get called. And, you know, James did so good last night, but uh, but obviously some things that, you know, he doesn't do as well as Deshaun Thomas, and that's why they go defense for offense because a few times in that game, even specifically last night, he gets a wide-open dump-down pass. I forget who gives it to it, but, you know, he's just a little too slow going up and gathering and getting to the rim to where he just gets fouled. Instead of getting to the rim quicker, he gets that and one where, you know, you see Deshaun Thomas catch that ball and he gets the and one. So, you know, you see the difference in the in the players' mentalities, but it's just one of those things where, you know, it's such a, a luxury to have a guy like James and, and the mentality that he has coming off the bench, just really willing to do anything that it takes to, to play winning basketball. Do you have any inside uh, word on on the health of Adam and, and John Tanjay? Or do you have an idea of how long these guys will be out? So, I, I, you know, obviously I know what people, you know, on everybody else knows. I know Adam has – he's been dealing with a heel issue. I know they were getting an MRI to kind of figure out what was going on. Nothing in an x-ray showed much. But, you know, just if there's fluid in that and you can't really, you know, run, you know, it's just right in your heels. So it's hard to play through that. And then, you know, Tanjay sounds like it's a meniscus issue. Um, again, I, I guess they were getting an MRI today or yesterday and awaiting results. But, you know, even if it's a partial meniscus thing, I mean, typical guys are out, you know, two to four weeks with something like that. If it's, you know, nothing too major, but certainly a tear would be a whole different issue. And, you know, the Rams, it's just, it's just been really tough, you know, down the last couple of weeks, finding somebody to really get going offensively. So certainly you're losing a guy like Tanjay, who's your third highest scorer, is certainly a, a cause for concern. What, uh, what can you tell us about this matchup with UNLV? Uh, man, uh, basically Bryce, Bryce Hamilton and, and Donovan Washington. I mean, they, those are the two guys who are going to take pride. 70 percent of the field goal attempts for sure, and I'm, I'm sure if you've watched the league the last couple of years, I mean Bryce Hamilton's basically a baby James Harden out there, and he's the lefty, looks just like him, and scores just like him, and gets to the free throw line, and you know they're just basically those two guys. If they can catch fire, everybody else kind of plays their role and lets them do their thing. So certainly a capable game that you know we should come out victorious, but. You know, gosh, if we can't make our outside shots and we struggle to shoot the ball from, you know, we're gonna we're gonna let a lot of teams hang hang around, you know, like we did early in the conference. Hey, real quick, uh, I saw on Twitter today that Donovan Williams is out out for uh, Friday. He's got some kind of leg injury, so uh, it'll be Bryce Hamilton against oh. the Rams, I think, on uh, Friday. Okay, versus everybody. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
And and still, I mean, he's got you know two of his last three games are are thirty plus point victory, you know, games. So it, it is you know, one of those things where you know, a guy like last night, Cambridge Junior, who doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, but you know he's going to let it go and just takes a, those guys to see a couple, and, and the Rams could be in for it. Yeah, this UNLV team is obviously rebuilding, um, but they've played some really good teams tough. Is this, uh, I mean, is this, is this, I, I think, are we seeing everybody give CSU their A game? Is that kind of a byproduct of when you are the preseason favorite to win the league and, and you're now 16 and one and, and ranked? Is this a real thing where, where we're seeing the, everybody's best shot and, and can expect pretty much the same as UNLV comes in Friday? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, gosh, this league is so deep right now. The Rams, you know, get rid of, you know, get through basically the first two weeks of conference. And, you know, now you look up and you don't play anybody under the, you know, top 122nd in the nation, according to Ken Palm, you know, the rest of the way out, unless we can figure out a way to get a New Mexico game flipped in there. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy league and it's, it's it's so good to be a part of, you know, something like this because, you know, you see Isaiah, how good of a freshman season he had. And then, you know, that's what happens. You get that target on your back. You show everybody how good you are. Now you're not fooling anybody or you're getting double teams. And so, you know, particularly for Stevens, he's had some trouble the last, you know, year and a half trying to figure out how to attack, how to pass and try and feel out those situations. And, you know, unfortunately for us, in the last six games, he's actually kind of played like he did that freshman year, averaging, you know, 53% from the field and 40% from three. But then you got Roddy, who, you know, everybody knows who Roddy is, what he can do, and you just – nobody seems to even stop Roddy. I mean, he's got such a good feel for which way the double team's coming from and where the, the, the bailout pass is. And it's not just the bailout pass, it's the wide-open look in the corner across court and – you know, man, I'm going to keep nailing it on the head, but if we can somehow knock down that shot for us, I mean, we are going to be a, a tough team continuing to, to win down in March. And just, just to touch on Roddy, I know I'm a little all over the place here, but he's averaging 2.7 offensive rebounds per game in conference, and he had 13 in the previous 10 non-conference games. So, I mean, this is a guy who's he's not only shooting the ball well, but he's really just playing bully ball out there, and it, it's really fun to watch, especially as – you know, the Rams start winning some, some real serious games. We're excited for Friday. It's going to be a, a big game, and it's also the bigger-than-basketball game. I know Steve will be honored along with a bunch of other cancer warriors that night. So uh, a big reason to get everybody out. Hopefully, the I know the students have really stepped up this year. It would be great to see the general public also fill those seats as well. So um, looking forward to Friday. Yeah, that, that that's such a cool thing. And, you know, for them to get involved and just, you know, again, make the community feel like they just belong with us for the last few years before Nico, it just something had to give. And so it's so great and refreshing to, to just see like, especially an event like this, where you just, you know, of course, something bigger than basketball is cancer and medical stuff. And you're just able to, to show the community that you're here for them. And, you know, why not? How cool of a thing is it going to be for you, Steve, just to see your name on the back of one of those guys' jerseys come Friday? Adam, it's it's an it's a blessing. It's a dream come true for me, and I've I've talked about it on my blog and on uh, Twitter. But you know, the fun thing is, I had a nice conversation with Joe Desmond last night, and he's going to tell Jalen Scott, "You don't wear your warm up shirt tomorrow night. You're just you're warming up in your jersey uh -huh. so that Steve Abe can be seen." And that that was extremely touching to me that Joe would uh, Joe would offer up something like that. That shows I love you that, that man. None of those kids should. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. None of our kids should should wear it all night and you know, loud and proud and and hopefully we give you guys a, a 50 point blowout, man, cuz you guys deserve every part of that. Well, I told somebody if we lose the game, I'm blaming myself. That's my personality. So, uh, I would much rather see a 50, I would much rather see a 50 point win. All right. So, Adam, first of all, Mike Rill, and uh, thanks for joining us. You know, we really appreciate it. Um, so, thanks for recapping the game last night and, and a little bit of a preview for Friday. But we want to get into uh, your playing days here. Um, yeah, boy. So, so, you're a local guy, went to Broomfield High School. You know, you had a great run in high school. You know, started, uh, we're on varsity from your sophomore year on. One state in 2004, in 2005, and 2006, you were all state here in Colorado. Um, what were your options to play at the next level coming out of Broomfield? <laughs> oh man, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, but the only team that really came hounding down my door was Black Hill State, and uh, at that time they were only NAIA and. I for sure had no interest in, in going to South Dakota or anything like that. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of was just out of options out of high school. I really, I wasn't that, you know, flashy of a player, I guess, to even, you know, get on anybody's radar. So luckily for me, I had a, you know, a high school girlfriend who decided to go to CSU and I said, Oh, why not? I'll go up there, go to school. And, you know, just, just kind of worked out after my freshman year. Dale Lair and everybody kind of cleared house and, you know, revamped that basketball team. And one thing led to another. I, you know, walked in the wrong door one day and ended up being a basket, a Division One basketball player. <laughs> so, uh, so, hey, Adam, this is Steve again. Uh, so the call goes out when you're, when you're a freshman. Miles comes in. We have, like, two scholarship players after he has to launch uh, – uh, the entire, pretty much the entire team, and Jason leaves. Um, so the call goes out for tryouts for walk-ons. I'm not sure any of us ever heard the inside details of that entire process. I think we'd love to hear you uh, walk us through what you went through with that whole process of of uh, of, of, of walking on. Uh, how did it start? How did it go? How did you get selected? Yeah. So. You know, I guess I grew up, you know, locally in Broomfield playing against um, Devin Beitzel up at Northern Colorado. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys know familiar. He is an absolute legend up there. They, you know, went to the tournament his senior year in 2011. But anyways, I, I went to the CU, UN, or CSU-UNC basketball game my freshman year as a student, sat in the stands and saw him out there playing against, you know, everybody and just was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I played against him. I could probably go out there and at least, you know, maybe do half the things that he does or something. So, you know, I, I mentioned that to my high school coach in passing. And next thing I know, he was up at CSU for one of those, you know, summer team camps with his high school team. And he had met with Craig Smith randomly and was saying, Hey, I have a kid here. He, you know, was thinking about walking on and, you know, those guys, they had no clue what to do. They were like, Oh, you have a, an actual body that can run up and down. Yeah. Get him to summer gym. Let's, you know, throw him in, a, you know, summer pickup games because we just need a body to go up and down the floor so I you know walked into that door you know I played with them probably a month and a half that summer um you know Miles walked in the last you know week of summer and basically pulled me aside and said hey 
what's your GPA? And I said, you know, it's close, it's pretty close to a three zero. And he said, oh, okay, well, you're on the basketball team. You know, that's all he needed to hear. So I, you know, the big walk on thing wasn't really me. It was more or less they just needed somebody to to go run around and, and bang on a little bit. <laughs> so, but when you got the word that uh, you had a spot on the team, what was your reaction? What, who, who's, who's the first person you called? Well, I, I had to call my dad. You know, my dad's one of my biggest supporters. You know, and then a couple of my friends, and you know, they oh really need a look, you know, and it's one of those things where you know, and then Stu Creason, you know, he was basically the only one left from that team from the previous year, and what a great guy to have kind of stick around just to, you know, show you the ropes. He kind of took me under his wing a little bit. You know, I, I, I say the only reason I made the team was just because I was feeding him the ball in, in, in summer league games and, you know, letting him work because not everybody else was doing that. So I, I got to give a lot of props to him for kind of getting in Miles' ear all summer and letting me know that there was a guy trying to sort of play and, you know, the rest is history, and I, I ended up making an okay player of myself. Yeah, I, just as an aside, um, I met your dad, I believe it was the 2011 game in Wyoming. Uh, I went up there oh, with boy. a friend. That was a, the snow, the, um, an amazing snowstorm. I think there were probably 80 people in the entire uh, <laughs> when the game started, and, we, and I sat with your dad, and we had a great time. He's just a great guy. I hope he's doing well right now. Yeah, so just a funny story about that. You know, I would get in players' tickets, and, you know, those are, you know, right behind the bench and Moby and all that stuff. Well, my my dad's a little too, uh, you know, high energy and, and yelly kind of guy to where he, he'd always sit himself up high in the rafters, up high in Moby, man. And every every game I go through lines, I'd point up to him, but it was uh, it was our thing, and it's uh, it's pretty funny, man. He just is a little too fired up. He didn't want to, you know, embarrass himself in front of some of the players, you know, parents. <laughs> that's cool well it's, so so it's one thing you, you earned your spot on the team but ultimately you were given a scholarship right so when when did when did that happen and how did you learn you were being awarded a scholarship and what were your emotions there yeah uh, pretty pretty cool moment there you know I basically after freshman year you know I, I played as much as I did that they they again just kind of had a scholarship available and I, I was able to get my I think it was just books and tuition so it wasn't even a full ride it was at least just that my junior year you know I did get a, a full ride and gosh I felt like I was you know getting paid to play professionally you know when I got that stipend it was so cool and you know I'm not a lot of people do actually know this my senior year I actually wasn't on scholarship they uh, our APR was so bad over the four years previous that they had actually been sanctioned and lost a scholarship. So there just wasn't another scholarship available to even my senior year, give me one. So wow. I technically started and finished my career as a walk-on, you know, luckily for me, I, you know, being a 50 year guy who played four years, you know, I, I didn't have many credits to take that last senior year. Wow. Um, That's incredible. I did not know that. So I'm the ultimate team guy taking, taking the, taking the bullet, you know, and not getting that scholarship, but you know, I wasn't going to leave that team and what we had built and what we were going. So it was, you know, no big deal to us. I was just happy to be in that room. Love it. So, taking taking a bullet for Tyler Smith being part of uh, Carmelo's posse, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they had to give Dorian Green that scholarship or something. You know, it was a, a, a legendary changing moment, you know, me giving that up. Let's, let's just leave it at that. There we go. 
There we go. All right, let me pause real quick, give a shout out to Ginger and Baker. Their amazing chefs have created some outstanding specials for Valentine's Day. So make your reservations now. In the cash, they're going to have halibut with forbidden rice and a blood orange gastrique. In the cafe, you can choose from mahi-mahi with strawberry mango salsa or little cranberry ranch wagyu with cognac sauce. These great dishes will be available through Valentine's weekend, and they'll be open from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Monday, February 14th. So if you want a special place to treat your significant other, try Ginger and Baker. Make those reservations now. Support Ginger Graham, our great friend uh, and supporter of Ram Nation, as well as this awesome Fort Collins gem of hers, Ginger and Baker. So, so Timmy comes in and the program implodes. Uh, Kilby shoots the couch. Tyler Smith decides he wants to be a DJ. Uh, Stephen Franklin finds a credit card and goes on a joyride. Uh, Stephen Gilling transfer. Jason Smith enters the draft. <laughs> Being around the team, like, what was all this like at that time? Oh, man. It, well, you know, all that stuff, luckily, it happened right at the end of the season and kind of, you know, earlier in the, you know, year before that summer league. But, you know, the, the Gilling thing where, he, you know, he had stolen a credit card or done something, you know, that was, you know, right in the middle of summer league. We were playing and then all of a sudden he just wasn't there the next day. So that was probably the weirdest part. And, you know, probably the first headache Miles really had to deal with at that level. And then, you know, all of a sudden over the next two years, we had guys in and out with all sorts of different issues and getting cut or, you know, getting in trouble fighting with their girlfriends. And it was just one of those things where, man, for those first two years and you just couldn't seem to, you know, really get the type of guys that we needed to do that were going to stick around long-term and that you could actually, you know, remember year to year. So how, how hard was it to gel with, with, you had so many walk-ons, late transfers, you know, a ton of incoming freshmen uh, that came in. Yeah, yeah, it, it it was, and that that was part of it. You know, it didn't really feel like we actually had a, a real winning chance until my junior year. You know, Dorian Green comes in, Pierce Hornung. You know, we had, you know, Wes Eichmeyer transfer in. Jesse Carr was getting healthy. Andy Ogden was ready to go. It, it just it finally felt like we had turned a corner my junior year and finally found some guys that you know, at least, you know, could build around and, and, and start to kind of, you know, get some of those younger guys to buy in because, I mean, you just see it now. I mean, those first two years when you don't have anybody, I mean, it's no wonder you just have to take some of those juco guys to, to come in and fill some roles right away because you just can't put, you know, 15 freshmen on the floor every game. It's, you know, if you want to be at least any part competitive, you got to kind of mix in some of those guys and, it was just tough because we didn't have the right guys in there. And like I said, junior year, it finally felt like we had a chance. And you know, unfortunately I was only part of that for two years. You know, I had to kind of take my licks for the first two. So, you know, you just hit, mentioned how tough that first year was those first couple of years. What are some of those fond memories you have from that time though? Uh, man, it, it felt like we had won the Super Bowl when we beat Wyoming my freshman year in the playing game to the Mount West Conference Tournament. That's how bad it was and then good it was, you know. It was uh, – it really – you know, you go 0-16 and, you know, you lost a couple of tough games and then finally get one. I mean, it, it was such a relief because we hadn't won a game since, gosh, like middle of November that year. So that was one of the big moments and – you know, as you kind of take your lumps at BYU and Viejas by 30, 40 points, it's, 
you know, you, the thing you look back on is, man, I played in front of you know, 23 plus thousand people at BYU, you know, those four years and every single year they were packed. And, you know, it's just kind of those moments of just a guy who, like, like I said, never really got recruited, shouldn't have been there in the first place, just kind of look up and go, well, I'm here in front of it. You know, at least I could say that. When you look back at where that program started your freshman year in and the turmoil that it was in and the 0 and 16 start, as you guys mentioned, you gradually built that nine and 22 the next year with four conference wins. You guys go 500 your junior years, got seven conference wins and senior year, you go 19 and 13 and nine and seven in league play. You meant went to the NIT. Do you look back at that and say, wow, we, we really came a long way. And that was kind of the foundation that set up those, those following two years where the, the program went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And that, Man, you look at you look at that that 2011 year. We, we the Mount West was was pretty much as, as good as it has ever been with Kawhi Leonard, Jimmer Fredette. You know, you know V had just such a good program with Juan Kruger, and then New Mexico at Steve Alford was always tough. And it, you know, looking at that year specifically, we had 19 wins, and I think we still had five games to go. But you know, we lost to Air Force, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, which you know. It's not really uncommon these days down at Clune Arena, but we uh, we we kind of fizzled towards the end, and then man, right day before Mount West Conference Tournament, I I got rolled up on and I got hurt my senior year, and I uh, I actually wasn't able to play the NIT or the Mount West Conference Tournament my senior year, so that kind of uh, leaves a stale taste in my mouth. But uh, you know that is kind of how it goes too. So you brought up 2011. The Mountain West had those two absolute powerhouse teams in San Diego State and BYU. Uh, both of those teams had Final Four capabilities. BYU fell short because uh, uh, a player was suspended late in the season with an honor code violation. San Diego State fell short when uh, Jamal Franklin took a stupid technical foul that cost them the game against the eventual, eventual national champs, uh, UConn. What do you remember from playing those teams, Adam? I mean, my strongest memory, I, I mean, we were, those teams were fantastic. And I remember, I still remember, I can still close my eyes and see you trying to guard uh, 6'8 Billy White on the wing, uh, being overmatched physically, <laughs> but that didn't stop you from competing. But what are, your, what are some of your memories about playing against those two teams? I mean, the funniest thing about my game is, you know, I'm 6'2 with like a wingspan of six, seven. So I, I could guard a little longer and taller than I normally can. So, I mean, gosh, my freshman through junior year, I played one through four, believe it or not. So, I mean, finally that junior year, Craig Smith, the now head coach at Utah, he's, he's telling me, he's like, all right, you're going to start on Billy White here. All right. And I'm just telling you, he only goes left. So he is only going to go left on you. Cause I looked at it crazy. Like, you know, why am I even going to be in front of this dude? He's just going to post me up all game. So first play of the game I, I I get the the ball he gets the ball in the low post you know Kobe's me up gives me you know I'm the whole time Craig Smith he's going left he's going left he gives me one jab step left takes one dribble and has like the meanest dunk that Dave Vasquez the assistant at San Diego State says it's like the opening clip to all their recruiting videos is this guy just jab stepping me one way dunking all over us in like a packed Moby so Thank you, Craig Smith, for that. But yikes, man. Those guys, you know, a different bit athletic than me. What do you remember about BYU? 
uh, they were, you know, one of the nicest 40 point beatdowns I've ever had. You know, you, you, you get beat so bad and then everybody there th- tells you how nice and, and, and thank you for coming out and playing us. And it's just, man, it, you know, Jimmer was just a guy, but we, we threw everything at him and, and he still would just find a way to either go get fouled and shoot, you know, 20 plus free throws a game or catch fire and shoot like, you know, 23s a game. So the frustrating part about him was, you know, we never had a chance to just even keep in front of him. I, unfortunately, in my career, I never beat BYU. I never beat San Diego State. Or no, we beat San Diego State. Uh, maybe I didn't beat San Diego State, but uh, yeah, those two, yeah, never beat those two teams, actually. So that's kind of the toughest part is, you know, you forget Viejas with all those guys. They had about, you know, five pros on that San Diego State team. And like you said, Jimmer and then Brandon Davies, who, you know, got kicked off of that team. But, yeah, they were really good. You kind of talked about it. Your third year, the team was chosen to the CBI. Um, How important was that for the program? Uh, That's an interesting one because uh, the CBI was one of those things where, you know, Coach kind of asked us. It was one of those things we hadn't played in the, you know, postseason. We we really wanted to, but – you know, you, you figure you, you had to take us down to Moorhead, Kentucky after the year was over to play in a, a, a first-year tournament that nobody had any idea what, what it was even about. And so our mindset going into it was, yeah, you know, we got to go play this Moorhead State. And, you know, they got this guy. I don't know if you know his name, but, it, you know, Kenneth Fareed, you know, he can really jump and he's really athletic, walk out. Well, well, he pursues to just have about 20, you know, rebounds and – 18 of them offensive rebounds and, you know, 20 points. So we got a, uh, a little licking down in Moorhead, Kentucky. Let's just put it that way. And, you know, we kind of uh, shaped up quick with miles after that one. I figured, you know, we weren't even going to put ourselves in a position to play in that tournament the next year. Speaking of miles, um, what's your best Tim miles story and no pulling punches, Adam. Okay. I want to hear the best. <laughs> I got too many. I, you know, trying to just go down to one or, I mean, he's such a, a funny guy, you know, he's so, he's so fiery from one second to the next that, you know, one second he's beating down the, the board at halftime and the next he's just like, you know, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, yell at you two hours. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. The, my favorite though is at DU when, you know, speaking of boards breaking, you know, we, we go down at half and I think it was my junior or senior year, but we go down at half and we get in that locker room and, I don't know. It must have been like a different hockey type, you know, driving floor, but he gave that thing one of the biggest punches you've probably ever seen. And, you know, the board doesn't even move, you know, his arm almost shakes back a few inches. And it was one of those things where you could tell he, he really hurt himself. He wasn't going to let you know it, but you know, I, you know, we kind of let that go and nothing of it. But of course you talked to him, you know, a couple of weeks ago and he goes, Oh man, I, I, I was all but sure my wrist was broken. I just was, you know, too stubborn to go to the hospital because there's no way I was coming back in a cast kind of thing. So, you know, that might be one of my favorite Tim Miles stories there. Is, you know, his grittiness to not go to the hospital when he thought he broke his real wrist. <laughs> so, I, I mean, he told me one story. It, it would have been your first year. And I don't know if you were one of the five that started or one of the five that came in. But we were uh, having some drinks after that game, and and it was he made a wholesale change early, 
And he said that every guy walking off, he was like, F you, F you, F you, F you, F you. Every one of them while the next five came in. So were you part of that five that came in or part of the five that went out? Man, he was he was pulling out all the stops that freshman year. We we were doing everything. He he would have us on a road game at Fresno State. We were so bad turning the ball over that he he said next person who turns it over is going to the end of the bench and is going to do push ups. So here you got us turning the ball over like crazy, you know. And all right, so just you go to the end of the bench, do your ten push ups, and you know go take a seat. And uh, that was pretty embarrassing too, you know, not only taking a loss, but then. You know, middle of the game, actually having to go do push-ups for turnovers—that's uh, that's a new low for me. <laughs> One of my favorites, just 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 to let you know, it was the the summer of uh, it was the year of the guns, and uh, I remember talking to Tim, and you know, he had that second floor uh, second floor office, and he told me he pointed outside and said, "You see that bush out there? That's my escape route in case somebody comes into the office." With a gun, <laughs> he was he was all set to leave if he had to. <laughs> wow, oh, that doesn't surprise me much, man. That guy, he's 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 as much of a salesman as anything else, isn't he? So he's uh, you know, he's really struggling this year at San Jose State. And I, and again, on the broadcast, I mentioned it to Brian. He's he's just got to be careful because I. I'm sure there might have been another coach along the way who didn't win a single Mountain West Conference game. I'm just not sure if there's two Mountain West coaches, you know, who have had two zero and 16 seasons. So I, I don't know. He's going for the all-time record, so he's got to be careful over there. And I, I hope they pull at least one or two out before they get to that point. So, so you played for Timmy as well as Nico, who was an assistant back then. You're the color analyst of the, for the team now. And so you see Nico up close and personal all the time. So what are some of the similarities between them as head coaches and, and what are some of the differences? Well, the thing you notice, uh, you know, assistants in this you know industry, are just they're constant idea guys, you know, they, they hey, coach, you want to try this, you want to try this. And then it's ultimately, you know, the head coach's decision to if he wants to try it or not. So, you know, a lot of the things that Nico was probably trying to do back then, you know, he probably was trying to do and, and miles just really wasn't ready to do some of those things but you know offensively i think he he was kind of the reason we transitioned from it, it was a, a some of the formal you know set kind of ways to move offensively to like you know the high post spread that they actually run now and unfortunately for the team we had in 2011 we just didn't have the pieces to run that style of offense but you know we did try to run that for a few weeks in the middle of our year and you know, now he's carving people up with it. And, you know, that offense, had I been able to just trust what it could do if you just stuck with it, I mean, it, it's really so unguardable in the fact that there's so many different, you know, tweaks and, and wrinkles that guys can make off of reads that you just got to go out and play and, and hope they don't carve you up too bad. Yeah, that's interesting. What a what a coaching tree that we've seen from the Miles era with Craig and and Nico being so successful. When you look back at the transition and the evolution of the program that happened under under Tim, Nebraska is no hotbed for for college basketball. He performed well, never got him to that next level that they all wanted. But after he was ultimately let go there and he went into that brief stint uh, for for TV, were you surprised that his next best option was San Jose State? I mean, San Jose State is is about the low as the lows in the league for sure, and 
and probably one of the lowest in the country. Yeah, this, uh, and I think COVID had a, a real big deal to do specifically with, with Miles. I think, you know, in particular, before COVID, there might have been some, some coaches that would have gotten fired that actually didn't and, and hung on a little longer than they should. And then, you know, that pushed him out another year to you want to take a job where you know you can be successful, but you also in that business can't get forgotten about either. And so hmm. I think he just was kind of at a point where, you know, everybody knows San Jose State's not the greatest job, but at some point you, you do got to be relevant still. And you've got to find a way to, you know, make lemonade out of lemons sometimes. And Miles is, is one of the best at doing that. So, you know, it's no wonder a, a San Jose State would take a chance on him and, you know, he's already got them kind of winning a lot more games than they did last year and starting to build some buzz over there. But uh, he's definitely got his hands full. And I, I really do hope he gets, you know, one more crack at a really good job because he deserves it. Hey, so so Adam, last night I uh, I ran into you and Brian uh, at the post game and we talked about you coming on today. And Brian, Brian said something to the effect that we'd need to bleep some stuff out with uh, – with the way you talk sometimes, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I was kind of taken aback by that. And, you know, just as I asked you before about uh, uh, your best uh, Tim miles story, here's your chance to get back at Brian for what he said yesterday. What's your best story about Brian? Don't pull any punches on him either. <laughs> uh, Brian's my guy, man. And Brian, Brian really puts up with a lot sitting next to me and listening to whatever I, I put on the air. That's for sure. And, you know, he, he, he's so good to me. And, you know, I, I don't know, Brian, he's just so easy to work with. I mean, he's so good at what he does that, you know, I kind of squeak into sometimes. And I, I remember briefly in my first kind of couple games as I was figuring things out, I kind of did one of those, uh, I don't know, a guy gets a fast break and I'm kind of like, oh, shoot it or go, you know, kind of, and he kind of just spotted me goes, dude, that's not radio. You don't do that. Just wait till, it, you know, he kind of, you know, firmly sat me down and showed me the rules of radio and it was such a kind of way of telling me how wrong I was doing things that you know he's such a good guy and that's kind of like who he is and how he does things that's cool so so you joined Brian in the booth in in 2016 uh those two first seasons Larry Eustachie was our head coach and those first two seasons we ran the full spectrum of highs and lows I mean we had half the team kicked off uh, for grades in, in December of 2016. Then the Magnificent Seven goes on their run and finishes runner-up to Nevada in both, you know, the regular season and the tournament. We come out in 17, kicks the U's butt, and then everything goes crazy where Larry and Steve Barnes are both removed during the season. So what was that like seeing it unfold from your uh, spot at press row and, and, and as a former player? Well, I think the biggest eye-opening thing for me initially was, you know, walking into that program and, and understanding how Larry Eustachie operated and not knowing him personally and, you know, having a few guys around to kind of tell me how he operates. It was just, you know, it's just a completely different style than anything I had ever been around. And so, you know, that first year, I mean, gosh, Gene Clavel just bonkers. I mean, so, I mean, that San Diego State game on the road that he just went crazy. I mean, I could not believe who I was with some of the shots he was taking. 
so they, you know, they go on that crazy run and and they're so good. But then that next year, they, the wheels really came off. And, you know, it was just one of those situations where every day it seemed like I had shown up to do a game. It was something crazy had happened and it was nothing to do with basketball completely, you know. So it goes back to one of those things where, you know, you get a lot of those, you know, second chance type guys. And, you know, if they're not, you know, the best people off the court, you're going to be dealing with a lot more things that don't have to do with basketball. And it's just unfortunate that all that kind of you know unraveled the way it did and you know thank thank gosh that honestly joe parker hires nico medved because he kind of you know poached him from drake drake really had him locked in he kind of pulled his name back and nico really wasn't that publicly a candidate and i honestly thought we were going to hire craig smith or jeff linder over at wyoming now and you know here comes nico from the woodworks and it's been the best thing to really happen to the program and you know since Tim Miles got hired in 07. So last question for me, and this is one that I always ask our former athletes when, when they, uh, when they join us on the podcast. Uh, so when you were in school, where was your go-to bar? <laughs> oh, so this, okay. This is a cool podcast and I should have really let my guard down earlier. If you guys, okay. Um, so when I went to school, the big one for us was of course, wash bar was still around and, and a bar. Um, monkey, what was the monkey one? Uh, monkey, monkey. monkey one was drunken monkey, and then Tony's were kind of the go to, you know. Obviously, Lucky Joe's and Bondi were there, but those were kind of the main three that we'd kind of smooth around the most, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm a huge Tony's guy. That was, that was one of my places in college. That was my Monday night hangout in college, and then usually ended up there. On Friday or Saturday, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had a, a little bit of a, a too good of a basketball hookup over there that it uh, it was probably too good to be true, and you know those guys really took care of us over there, and we had a we had a fun time anytime we went to Tony, especially when they did that rooftop bar, man. So shout out to them, and you know I, I actually went there I think last year, two years ago, with a couple of guys just to kind of run through there again, and same old place, man. I love it. Yep, hasn't changed at all. Very cool. Hey, Adam, what do you what do you do outside of uh, calling games for CSU? Yeah, um, so I uh, own and operate a, an event center with my family in Broomfield. Um, it's the Chateau at Fox Meadows. We primarily do like weddings and private parties. So I run the liquor license and do all the operations and stuff for that. So we've been business the last twenty three years. I got on the last eight or nine or so and you know my mom started it and she's slowly retiring and now me and my sisters are kind of taking over all of the management and operations and ownership and all that good stuff man i have been there for a wedding uh long ago before oh cool apparently before uh, not where i got married but i've attended a wedding there so very cool that is a that's a neat place that's awesome How, yeah i appreciate it man it is you know it's Every 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 now and then you say that and somebody's like yeah just like you oh, i've been there before you know or i know somebody and you know, like actually Jesse Kurtz at the Mount West, he actually got married there. So it's just kind of one of those small world things, man. It's so cool. That is very cool. Obviously, it's fairly flexible for you to be leaving town all the time. And, and uh, you know, most of your games are, are in the evening anyway. So does it work pretty well to, to juggle those two things? Yeah, it, it, it actually couldn't work better because, you know, the wedding season is potentially, you know, spring through winter. And then, you know, basketball season, winter to spring. So, kind of one of those things that just fits my schedule perfectly and allows me to 
you know, stay connected with the team because it's, it's been one of the coolest things getting back into the game, you know, this way. And especially, at, you know, school that I care so much about and to see it kind of, you know, back to the, to the, the days that I knew it was, man, this has been just such a cool ride these last six years, just to finally get to this moment and know that, you know, we're going to, we're going to get to the NCAA tournament this year. I, uh, I can feel it. Uh, I wanted to ask you about that as well. Like, how high is the ceiling of this, this program? And is it a, you know, obviously they've got the ability to win a, a conference championship. Is that something you foresee them getting done? And then if they do continue on this trajectory, what can they do in the NCAA tournament? Well, if, if they can shoot at, at the level they were before that COVID pause, they're going to be in every game, you know, with anybody in the country, it's, it's just a matter of if they can knock down those outside shots, they're just going to be unguardable. But if they're going to be really kind of grinding out some of these games, their lack of lack of depth or, or lack of ability to you know, create your own shots, particularly with Tanjay Hurt, you know, you see some guys like Kendall Moore trying to create more. Isaiah Rivera is going to have to do a little more. Chandler Jacobs going to do some more. So it's just one of those things where are you going to get these guys to step up in ways that you need and you know, hopefully for us, we're just starting to kind of get our feet again and, and find our rhythm because, man, we were humming there for a while and to take, you know, 24 days off and not practice for 20 of them. I mean, it's just basically a reset to your whole season. So it's a credit to what those guys have done and really already, you know, six and one with a tough game against San Diego State off of a break. I mean, all things considered, you're pretty happy, honestly. Just wanted to step in. Uh, Tanjay just just announced that he has a uh, torn uh, torn uh, medial meniscus in his right knee, but he said that he will be playing. So, you know, uh, playing as long as you have. What kind of an injury is that uh, exactly? Yeah. And, and how how does that affect your your playing? Well, gosh, just, just knowing that something in your knee and, and I'd be surprised to see if it's a knee that, you know, he, he's more explosive off of, you know, more than the other. It's just one of those things that now, it, you know, knowing it's there, it's going to be in the back of your mind and can you kind of play through that or a couple of, you know, with the meniscus, I imagine it's just a lot of grinding and not a lot of padding in there, but, you know, I'm definitely not a doctor, but I certainly can imagine, you know, that's going to be uncomfortable and, you know, are you going to, adjust your jump shot and the way you jump or take off in the lane because of that and is that going to affect you the way you finish I mean certainly a cause for concern but but just to know that he can play through it also tells me that it may not be a, you know as big a deal and it might just be a little soreness or, or rubbing here and there it was funny last night I think it was Isaiah that gave a little oh no it was it was Jacobs that uh, did like a little almost like a Euro step where he faked a pass and went the other way. And and then as I was watching the replay, when I got home, they showed the bench and Tanjay was kind of mimicking the move. And uh, you could see him kind of go, oops, and look down at his, his knee. Like I shouldn't have done that little movement, but uh, hopefully he's able to to go. And that would be a big help. I just, I just wanted to, to add one thing. You were talking about the ceiling for CSU. Um, and if they can get back to shooting the ball like they're capable of, you know, we have that double digit win over Creighton and, you know, Creighton, Creighton beat a pretty good Villanova team by 20 points. And then, you know, we have that close win over Mississippi state. And if you look last night, Mississippi state went into Lexington last night and took Kentucky to overtime. Um, 
we can play with pretty much anybody. I mean, Kentucky's been as hot as anybody. If Mississippi can stay, can stay with them. We certainly can if we if we shoot the ball. And it's a it's an interesting kind of team, but it's got to be fun for you, um, especially if they get uh, get going at that level that they were. That uh, you know, calling games is going to be awesome for you. You got to be looking forward to that. Oh, you know, it, especially these next four or five weeks here, we're going to really figure out what 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 our guys are made of and and, and where we actually stand with the Mountain West. Because you know, not only we got to play UNLV Friday, then you know, go to Laramie and have to play Wyoming on the road. Who, you know, you do not want to play Wyoming because they do a lot of things and, and shoot the ball really well and. You know, I don't know if you saw the game last night. We were we were sidelined. We had the Boise State Wyoming game going on the side here, and you know Wyoming came back from nine, tied it up, and then all of a sudden Boise took the lead. So you know Boise sitting the top of the league. You know we we got them. We got to figure out a reschedule for a road game for them. So you know you figure we got the the Viejas game out of the way, but you know still got to go to Laramie, still got to go to Boise. You know, still got to go some of those places, and it's 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 gonna you know it's gonna be kind of a gut check for the Rams, and I, you know, I just really hope they can kind of find that rhythm, especially behind the three point line, because you know everybody other than Roddy Stevens and Lake right now we're shooting sub twenty three percent from three up until last night, so you know that is that's a the number that really concerns you as just really relying on three guys to knock down shots is not gonna you know take you deep into March like you had said. Well, Adam, uh, this has been really enjoyable. I've enjoyed catching up with you and getting your insights and uh, appreciate all your time with us today. No, yeah, absolutely. You guys are awesome, man. Thanks for kind of keeping everybody plugged who's not able to to go to every game or catch every game. You guys are really doing a good job of kind of going inside the scenes and inside the lines of getting some cool hosts and guests and everything. So, I, yeah, happy to come on. Let me know if you guys want me on again. I'm happy to do it. Thanks, pal. You're right up at the top of the list there for us. So uh, yeah, we would definitely look- love to hear some more Timmy stories. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah, with some no, beers no, in no. hand. I'll start a journal. Yeah, let me start a journal. <laughs> Give me a couple weeks. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Adam, we'll see you Friday night. Keep up the great work. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah, thanks, guys. Let's go. Let's get into March here. All right. Take care. See All you right. Thanks a lot. That was great. Our guest, Adam Nygon, was brought to you by Mighty River Brewing Company. They've been such great supporters of Ram Nation. I ask our fans to give back to them. They've got a dozen beers on tap. I encourage you to try one of their newer releases, the Barrel Age series called In the Deep. It's an English old ale that's aged in old elk bourbon barrels. It was released back in December, and it's available on draft in the tap room or in four-pack cans to go. And uh, owner Dan Miller is a great Ram fan, a longtime Ram Nationer. And you should stop in, say hello to him, tell him thank you, and uh, enjoy some beer. Show Ram Nation on your phone, get a dollar off your beers. That's Mighty River Brewing Company. I want to thank our guest, Adam Nygon. You can follow him on Twitter at anygon underscore 12. Sure was enjoyable catching up with him. we got a big game Friday night, both for our team and our man here, Steve Ivey, and all the other cancer warriors that are being honored as part of the Bigger Than Basketball game. Hope you get out and support them all. Man, the students have been so tremendous all year, uh, and especially these last couple uh, games since they've been back in session. Would love for the general public to to follow suit. They've been a little slower to come around, but I think with some of these big games coming, uh, we're going to see Moby packed, and I hope it starts Friday night. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Go Rams. Go Rams.